0: Well, again, it is exciting this morning that we get to do a couple of things that, as a church, are a very, very special thing. The first one you just saw, Um, and again, it is a, it's the family, we really kind of call it a child or family dedication. Um, There are some faith traditions in Christianity that will baptize an infant. And what they're, when they're doing that, what they're looking at is they're saying, there's original sin that's there, we want to wash that off by baptism and all of that what we look at it and kind of our approach to it is to say, we believe that that's a commitment that the child makes when they come to the age, when they come to an age where they can make a decision about the relationship with Christ. But what we want to do is we again want to commit the child, commit the family and commit ourselves to doing everything we can to put her in a position where when she's ready, when when Christ comes, when his spirit impresses on her, her need for him that she would be ready say yes. And we have an important part in doing that. This this morning, what's going on outside of this room but in this building is we have in Life Kids Junior kids who are being loved on and they're hearing about that God loves them. He cares about them. It's an incredible thing. And then you go down the hall to Life Kids and you hear kids hearing about that God loves them, that he's got an incredible plan for them. He wants the best for them. And when you see a child who grows up in that, they're so much more ready to, to receive Christ when that time comes. But a second thing that we're going to get to do here in just a little bit as well is what's over here. So if you've, if you've been here long, you've seen this in here before, uh, but this is water baptism. We're going to get to do in a little bit later this in the service. And the Greek word that we translate or that transliterates to baptism, it means to wash, to plunge, to drown, to immerse, or to sink. And so actually, I know Pastor David a couple weeks ago referenced um, when when the pharisees came to jesus and they were kind of confronting his disciples about not properly washing for the the meal the, the purification you know the, the the ritual that they would go through they were actually saying your bapt- your 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 followers didn't baptize properly now and it wasn't them saying they weren't like immersed in the water properly but it was that same word meaning the washing the cleaning the the the, the purification aspect of that That comes with it and so that's really kind of the word that comes from it and it points back to the jewish tradition of ritual purification and that was a huge thing and so for instance if you're walking along one day and i i I don't know how you accidentally kind of stumble into this but it but it could happen you're walking along one day and all of a sudden you come across a corpse well you would be considered defiled and so you couldn't go into the temple and participate in worship and everything with everyone else until you had gone through the, the ritual of purification, to clean you, to make you cleansed again, to be able to worship with the, body of, with, the, with the body then, or the Israelites. And so following the Babylonian captivity, this became kind of, baptism started to become this uh, initiation rite into the faith. So you didn't see it as much before then, you'd see it from time to time. But after the Babylonian captivity, it was kind of one of the ways that you identified yourself as a Jew, as, as being a part of Judaism. Now, guys, there was another thing that you would typically do to, be, to become part of Judaism, and we're not going to go there today because that's unpleasant for all of us that know what that is. Um, so we'll just kind of fast forward past that. But now fast forward to the first century, and all of a sudden, there's this wild and crazy guy. Now, when that phrase came up, yes, at least one person recognized Steve Martin because he, he's a wild and crazy guy. So it's not Steve Martin who's the wild and crazy guy in this moment, but instead... Um, It's this guy that appears in the wilderness and he begins to teach this baptism for repentance He says you need to repent the kingdom of god is at hand Repent and be baptized repent and be baptized. Anybody know what his first name was? John anybody know what his last name was? (laughs) Trick question not really the baptist (laughs) That's more of a description. It might have been like ben zechariah because son of zechariah But really we don't necessarily know what his last name was Other than that, but that's what I figured So thank you for participating and giving us that laugh We're going to pick up though in Mark Chapter 1 starting in verse 4 And so John the Baptist Appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism Of repentance for the forgiveness of sins The whole Judean countryside and All the people of Jerusalem went out to him Confessing their sins they were baptized By him in the Jordan River Okay, we're not doing river today So that's a good thing Uh, Because I've I've heard it's kind of a messy place But they were baptized by him in the Jordan River John wore clothing made of camel's hair With a leather belt around his waist He he ate locusts and wild honey And this was his message After me comes the one more powerful than I The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie That's that's pretty big language to go You know his dirty sandals Because he's walking around and they're getting dirty Like I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals But I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now I switch over to Matthew 3. I love kind of how it it relates the second part of this of the story here. Starting in verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. (laughs) It's like, you're the guy that I can't even untie your shoes. Um, He's like, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So here's Jesus, and he's perfect. So again, John is just saying, repent and be baptized. Like this is, you know, repentance and baptism To show that you're repenting of something and then here jesus comes he's like you don't really need to be baptized for repentance like you haven't done anything wrong but what is jesus doing in this moment well one he is showing his willingness to completely identify with us in our human condition because we did need to repent we did need to be made right and jesus is coming to make that possible he's like but i want to fully identify with you humanity so he does it the second part is it was part of his father's plan and he wanted to be obedient to his father and so this is the initiation we see right after this that jesus goes out of the wilderness and begins his ministry this is the initiation of jesus ministry and at the end of his ministry jesus commissions his followers by saying this in matthew 28 that jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations and then what's about to come is the how you do that the way you go and make disciples of all nations is by baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you and surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age so for us baptism is an act of obedience it's part of becoming a disciple again the way that you become a disciple you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you obey the commands that Christ has given. It's an initiation. But what's an initiation into? It's an initiation into the faith. But even more specifically than that, and kind of where it ties in today in, in great way, is that it's an initiation into the church. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit, like kind of segue into the church. And there's Big C Church, which is like the church everywhere, The whole church, the universal universal church, around the world. And then there's little C, which is churches, which you're in one right now. So we're a part of the big C church, but we're in a little C church as we gather today. But I wanna talk about this because you're in one of three places today, I would guess. One, you're a part of it. So it's a good chance to have a reminder of what it means to be a part of it. Two, you're about to be a part of it, in which case it's good to know what you're getting into. Or three you're checking it out and so this is a chance to find out more about it And so I really would like this morning to be a love letter to the church I'd like it to be that but we need to admit a few things first because Sometimes we feel like we need to write an open letter to the church or sometimes we feel like writing a dear john letter to the church Um, so Let's just be fair and address some of those things first if you've ever had hang-ups about the church I'm about to name a bunch of them. All right And then we'll get to writing a love letter to her even still. But again, if you've ever had reservations, here we go. I have said this time and time again. It's not going to be on the screen. But we are far too often known for what we are against and what we are for. Far too often. People think about the church. They think about people who claim to follow Christ. And they're like, you know what? Why would you want to associate with them? They hate people. They're against this and they're against this and they're against this and the list goes on and on and on. They're like, you know, they're bigots. They're homophobic. They're patriarchal. They're anti-women. They're racist. And I would love to say that's all in the past. I would love to say, yes, that's part of our really sordid past that we've had. We don't deal with that anymore. Well, the denomination that I grew up in if you watch Twitter at all, and if you happen to follow like, any of the people that I follow, like, it's been blowing up day after day after day because, of, because the denomination is struggling with this, and they're, they're struggling with racism from people who have been in key positions of power. They, there's a backlash from repeatedly downplaying the value of women. There's a fallout of having covered up abuse. And you just see it over and over and over again and like it is blowing up. They've got a big convention coming up in about a week so that's kind of even pressing it more and more and more. But again, this is a denomination I grew up in that I love, that, that I have many, many friends who are still in and a part of and that struggle is real for them and it's not just them. You can look throughout the big C church and you can see so many flaws and so many failures and so many things like that. And again, going back to the, what we're against I mean, you can look and say, you know, when the woman's brought, when she's caught in adultery and she's brought to Jesus, the last thing he says to her is, go and sin no more. He doesn't let her off the hook. He doesn't say, just go do whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, he really does say, go and sin no more. But before that, he looks around and says, who condemns you? And you're like, or where are all your condemners? And they're like, there, there are not any. And he goes, I don't condemn you either. So the same God and the same Jesus, they are being, you know, Jesus saying, Hey, you've got to change. You've got to make some changes. But guess what? I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to forgive you, to heal you, to restore you. All of those things. The church has so often been co-opted by, politi- by political forces. And again, you look at the crucifixion of Christ. So it, it didn't start like in the last you know, few years. Go back to the crucifixion of Christ. And Jesus is there. And Pilate's putting him out. And they're, you know, and they're putting Barabbas out and they're saying, give us Barabbas. And then they make this cry. We have no king but Caesar. And they turn their back on Jesus Christ and cry out allegiance to the leader of the empire that's oppressing them because it was the politically expedient thing to do in the moment. It's been around for a long, long time. The church is full of flaws. There's a running joke in ministry. If you're ever in ministry or kind of behind the scenes, the running joke is ministry would be great if it weren't for all the people. Well, guess what? I imagine that there are plenty of church members in, you know, in churches around the world who also are like, church would be great if it wasn't for those ministers that we have. You know, so it kind of probably goes both ways on that because guess what? We're people. We're people and people are flawed and people have failures. And so all of those things, but scripture calls church, the body of Christ. And even more than that, scripture calls the church the bride of Christ. And it's in that context, a friend of mine that I was having conversation with this week reminded me of a quote from Tony Campolo, who was, he said he was quoting Augustine, but we really can't find if he ever really did say this or not. And I'm going to paraphrase it to be nice this morning. But he says, the church is, let's just say unfaithful. But she is my mother. And so in that, in, you know, and it's kind of this appeal to Hosea. In the book of Hosea, God goes to Hosea and says, what I want you to do is to go and marry this woman who's going to be unfaithful. Hooray! Thank you, God, for, for giving me that blessing that she is the one for me, the one who's going to be unfaithful to me. I'm so grateful that I get to do this. And he says, here's why. Because the woman who's unfaithful is like Israel. Because Israel is continually unfaithful to me But you in your faithfulness despite her unfaithfulness You get to represent me And that I am faithful Now I don't want us to always just automatically jump in and say anything that's said about Israel gets to apply to the church or or America or anything there and all this but I think right here it is a perfect example That he looks at the church and says You're unfaithful plenty of times your gaze likes to wonder to the call of others. But even when you are unfaithful, I am faithful to you and I love you. And that second part of that quote, when it says, but she is my mother, think about family dynamics. Siblings, I only have one of my kids here today and I'm, let's just say they don't ever do this. They're perfect, right? He's smiling. Um, but siblings will fight with each other to the death. But if you want to say something about them And you're not part of the family You don't mess with the family It's okay for them to go after each other But you don't go after them If you're not part of the family Can I get an amen? (laughs) So don't mess with the family And Winston Churchill said this one time He said Democracy is the worst form of government Except for all the others that have been tried Now the church does a little better than that But in all of its faults, in all of its failures, in all of its warts and shortcomings and everything, she is the bride of Christ, and he loves her dearly. I'm about to share a couple verses, and the first verse of this is gonna come from a wedding that we have coming up this weekend, found in Ephesians chapter five. And the, the verse that's gonna be in there is this first one. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It continues on, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What a rich passage about the church in the context of him talking to husbands. Husbands, pretty high standard there. But you see, Jesus justifies the church. He gives himself up for her to make her holy. Jesus sanctifies the church, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and Jesus glorifies the church and presents her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ loves his bride, warts, faults, and all with an incredible, sacrificial love, and he makes her and he sees her as the bride he created her to be. So what does the church look like at its best when it's been beautified and glorified and Christ has gotten all over it? I want to give you a big C example first, a big church broad. Um, Shavanka and I had an opportunity, there you are, um, had an opportunity a couple Thursdays ago to go to a meeting for a group called Engage Arlington. They have these deals called Think, Pray, and Do where they present different opportunities to bless the city of Arlington. Engage Arlington is a group of churches that are about the gospel, but about meeting physical needs in the city and blessing the city that way, while also being able to bless the city with the gospel of Christ. And a lot of times churches, there's this, there's this tendency there to... Um, there's this tendency to kind of be like it's all about us and our little kingdom and it's a zero sum game where if you get somebody that means I didn't get them and you know and it's this competition there here's a great example of it not being that and here's I want to go ahead and give you the point so it kind of has the context the church in capital C is at its best when churches work together so here, here's the, the example here so we're at this meeting we're sitting at a table we're discussing one of the topics that's there Now I get appointed as the spokesman for our table, which is kind of funny when you find out who one of the other people is at the table, but he pointed at me and said I was doing it, so I was doing it. So the other people at the table were Dennis Wiles from First Baptist Arlington, uh, and then Ryan Gilbert, who's the pastor at Lamar Baptist Church, which is not far from here, one of the other main churches in North Arlington, and a couple guys from his staff. So we get up to share, and we're actually sharing about how churches could work together using kind of the strategy that's there But it was a lot of talk about just churches together. And it hit me as I got up to share, and I said, you know what, here's an example of what we're talking about. First Baptist Arlington years ago gave the property to the people who started Lamar Baptist Church. So the other guys that are sitting at the table, their church is where it is in, in, in large part helping it exist because First Baptist Arlington had blessed them with the property to do it. Guess who gave the property where we're sitting right now, initially? First Baptist Arlington. So everybody sitting at this table had been blessed by this church who said, hey, we wanna be about starting churches and blessing churches in the community to reach people for Christ. So here, y'all go and do. And as you know, many of you know, First Arlington and the churches that have been involved on this property, which has been several, they have blessed over and over again. They've been involved over and over again. But I wanna pick up 2007. We'll go through this pretty quick. But 2007, First Arlington comes in and there's some group of people, including some people in the room today and certainly some in the building today, and comes in and helps start a new satellite ministry of First Baptist Arlington. A guy named Todd Still, who's now the dean, of, the dean at Tritt Seminary, comes in as the interim pastor. Fast forward 2008, that church now becomes Norpoint Point Baptist Church and Clint Dobson comes as the pastor here. 2011, First Arlington comes and wraps its round, arms around the community, walking through one of the most difficult things you can imagine, and helps carry it through. 2014, as I am coming on the scene to be the, the pastor of Norpoint, with the church that leads into the life church. There's a guy who is a chancellor of a school district, who is having conversations with the team from First Baptist Arlington and and, and Norpoint about starting a school, a charter school in this property. That guy just happens to also be the senior pastor of a church in San Angelo, which at the time was still Tree of Life, which then became the Life Church. And that guy's name was Walt Landers. So fast forward a couple more years in uh, 2017-ish or so, the church executes the lease that they had, the Life Church now, executes the option they had on the lease to purchase this property, to continue to lease to the school that's now been going for a few years, and ultimately, with an eye on starting a church here in this place, 2018. a couple of staff guys are together, and we're having a conversation. We see that day coming, that latter part of that. And we have a little bit of conversation and end up having a conversation with Pastor Walt. Then others of you end up in conversations where we're talking about this, this potential of maybe doing something together with them. 2019. Dennis Walls, Terry Bertrand, Steve Graham who was the head of the committee and, and a few others from that side Walt Landers, I'm trying to think who else might have been involved from the school side or I maybe mean from the church's side at that point point. and Pastor David and I are sitting in a meeting in which First Arlington gives its blessing for the church to go from being Norpoint, Point which is connected to them to being the Arlington campus of the Life Church and you fast forward a couple more years and we're here today and we've been here now for two years, which has been two really weird years when you throw COVID just in the middle of that. But you see one church's willingness to bless in the community and not say it's all about us. Let's build bigger and bigger. But hey, y'all wanna start a church here? Go and do. Y'all want to do this here? Go and do. And hey, how can we help you and bless you and carry you through some tough times? And then an incredible partnership with the Life Church coming in. And again, many of you are new since our day with the life church. And so you see, again, what happens when the church, the big C church, how it's blessed when little C churches come together and work together. So it's an incredible thing there. It's been said that the local church is the hope of the world. Why is that? Is that we're saying, well, that and not Jesus? No, it's that the local church is where you see Jesus. You see his hands and his feet in the body of Christ from the bride of Christ. And Acts 2 gives us a a good picture of this. We go to this passage frequently, but it says, starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now we've, again, picked this passage apart on a number of times, and it's well worth the time, but I just want to look at verse 44 again real quick. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. I want to look at a couple of togethers. One, the church rejoices together. I mean, a few minutes ago, we got to celebrate as we came together for this dedication and to celebrate new life and the promise that comes with that. Um, And a a little bit later at the end of the service, we get to celebrate the water baptism of someone who is making public their commitment to follow Christ and to be a part of us. Um, Again, I've mentioned our our kids, the last three churches we've been at just kind of worked out spacing-wise Each one of those that have invested in in our kids have gotten to see one of the kids baptized. Caleb, we're at River Oaks. uh, Carly, when we were a part of uh, River Point, a church that we'd helped start. And then Andrew here at the Life Church. And so it's this incredible thing there. But we've been in a season of celebrating graduates. Got to see some of y'all at graduation parties. And you know we get to see people posting all the, the pictures from the celebrations there. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate fellowship meals, which again, remember when we get done here in a few minutes, which we're gonna say hurry up then, we get to eat Rudy's barbecue. So like it's gonna be really good, but we get to have fellowship meals together. We get to celebrate weddings. We get to celebrate so many good things and the church at its best celebrates together and rejoices together. There's a special bond that comes when you celebrate with someone in the, in the, the heights of their, of their experience. The church also weeps and prays together. Just real recently, my mom had surgery. Um, she went through a really rough stretch, like several of y'all have had gallbladder removed before. Like she had gallstone, pancreatitis, bunch of stuff going on. Went in on a Friday, ended up having surgery on a Tuesday. Finally got to go home, go home last Wednesday. We wait like I had to kind of wait till it was okay to put out word about that publicly on Facebook. But as soon as it went out, like the number of people from here who who have connection with us that saw it, we're praying for we're praying, how's she doing, what can we do all of that, I had an opportunity to reach out for me to take advantage of prayer at tlcfamily.com and reach out to the prayer team of the church and ask them to be praying, like we are able to rally around each other in times of illnesses and we've seen others who've walked through very tough medical conditions where we've rallied and we've come and we've prayed together we've walked through deaths together, we've mourned together we've rallied around each other we've been through that too many times this past year we've done it together we've made it through together we've gone through losses we've you know where someone goes through a loss of a job a relationship a dream and rally around and pray for and care for and and again grieve together and walk through all of those things together we also see the church meets needs together Matthew 25 starting in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? when did you see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you and the king will reply truly i tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did it for me Do you know who started hospitals churches Do you know who started most of the education in the early days like education systems churches You know who rushed in in the the epidemics of the first couple centuries when everyone else fled the church the followers of christ do you know why they gained so much favor with those in the areas where they lived because they were the people who ran in when everybody else was running out they went in and they cared and guess what they were like you know other people are like if i'm around them i might die and the the followers of christ like if i'm around them and i die guess where i go When you know you've got heaven coming, you're willing to risk a few other things here on earth. But they were able to go in and love and show the love of Christ and care and meet those needs that were there. And what does that look like for us the last 16 months as we've walked through this pandemic? We have distributed thousands of boxes of food to this community. We, a lot of those boxes have gone to families that are right here in the school that meets in this building. Like we, we found out at time, we did Saturdays for a long time, and we moved it on to, on to Wednesdays so that we could catch families when they come to pick up their kid. They could come through and get food if they needed it. And again, there are many of you who helped with that, who helped pick up stuff and helped dil- distribute things. We've met numerous financial needs. We've supplied manpower to ministries that are serving the community. We've run errands for individuals who couldn't during that time, who couldn't risk getting out. And we've been blessed to see the generosity of so many in here make it possible for us to bless others. We've just seen incredible servants' hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. Notice the we. Yes, I am created by God individually. But as this verse continues and it says, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, every one of those is Plural. He has created us we are his handiwork and he has called us together to do the good work that he's called us to do and the church is a place for us to be real with each other Proverbs 27 17 says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another there aren't many places in the world where you can really be real with people there are not many places in the world where it's really probably all that appropriate to be real with people to that level to that degree but when you're in real relationship in relationships that are founded on your relationship and your common relationship with jesus christ we can be real and it makes a difference And it's a huge blessing to be in a place where we can admit our struggles the sins we repeat over and over again addictions that we may face challenges that we have that we can be real with someone who's going to love us and pray for us and challenge us and hold us account- accountable and that they're going to sharpen us and we're going to sharpen them. So a side note, and I know we're kind of in the summer right now, but we've got small groups. We have like our young adult small group, which one of the really cool things about what you're going to see in a couple minutes we do baptism is you're going to see a small group leader who is really the pastor of that group who's going to get to do the baptism for someone who's a part of that group. That's an incredible thing. We have Celebrate Recovery that is meeting on Tuesday nights. It's an opportunity to come again in a place to be encouraged is in whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be struggling with, that you can be real with each other. And moving on, the church shares the gospel, the good news together. 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god we have the good news and we get to share it together and guess what sometimes it's easier to share the good news when you got somebody else doing it with you because sometimes it's intimidating sometimes you're like i don't know what all to say well guess what you know Hey, grab somebody who, who can and bring them with you and, and y'all get to go do it together. That's an incredible thing. The list could go on and on and on of what the church is and can be. First, first Kings 19, you see Elijah who is at a point of despair and he's like, God, I wish I was dead. And again, right before that, he outraces a chariot after calling down fire from heaven and all this. And Jezebel says, I want him dead. And he's like, oh no, I can't do it because again, he was exhausted. And he thought I was on his own. And one of the things God says that encourages him greatly is, there are 7,000 others who have remained faithful. The church can encourage you that you're not alone, that you're not the only one on this journey, that you have others who love you, who care for you, who are in this with you. The church isn't perfect, but I'm glad I'm part of her. And let me say this, if you're not sure what about all this Jesus stuff, let me just invite you to come belong you can do that. You can come belong before you believe. You come in and be be a part, and you can be loved, and you can see Christ's love demonstrated through the people that are here. Because here's the thing, you were created in the image of God. You have incredible dignity and value and worth, and to be welcomed warmly. And, and just to let you in on a little secret, I believe if you come to a point where you belong, there's a good chance you're going to end up believing. Rachel Held Held Evans once said this. She said, this is the church. Here she is, lovely, irregular, sometimes sick, and sometimes well. This is the body like no other that God has shaped and placed in the world. Jesus lives here. This is his soul's address. There is a lot to be thankful for, all things considered. She has taken a beating, the church. Every day she meets the gates of hell and she prevails. Every day she serves, stumbles, injures, and repairs. That she has healed is an underrated miracle. That she gives birth is beyond reckoning. Maybe it's time to make peace with her. Maybe it's time to embrace her, flawed as she is. So I want to end with a love letter to the church. Big C church. But there's some snippets for this little C church. Dear church, sometimes I'm frustrated by you. Sometimes you let me down. Sometimes you're unfaithful. You turn away from your groom and answer the call of another. Sometimes you have hated and devalued those Jesus loves. Sometimes you've turned a blind eye while those who claim the name of Christ have hurt others. You're not perfect. You can't be because I'm part of you. But often you are amazing. You fertilized the soil in which my childhood faith grew, and you challenged that faith to mature. You affirmed my call and refined my gifts. You celebrated when I married my wife, when my kids were born, when they came to faith in Christ, and when they were baptized. You have cheered me on. You prayed with me when I faced big decisions and when loved ones were sick. You wept with me when I experienced loss. Together, we have seen lives changed. Mine has been one. Together. We have seen miracles done. Together, we have seen needs met. Together, we have seen healing of bodies, minds, souls, and relationships. Together, we have seen the lost come home, and we still do. Together, we are the body and the bride of Christ. And while we are imperfect, he loves us dearly and has given his life for us. He has cleansed us, and he presents us to himself as radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Church, thank you for loving me, and I love you. Let's pray. Father, we are your body. We are your bride. For those who claim the name of Christ, certainly for those who claim this church as their church, And again, we fail. We're unfaithful to you. We fall short. But what's incredible is that you love us anyways and that you call out the best in us. You make the best in us possible. God, I thank you for lives that have been changed. And again, we have seen miracles that have happened. And some of those have been physical. Some of those have been mental. Some of those have been spiritual, some of those have been relationships that have been healed and God we see that you're still at work here in this local church and in the big church all over the world help us to become who you've created us to be and Father for anyone that's here today who might be checking out what this thing is this thing called the church your body Father, help them to see past the flaws, the shortcomings, again, the the ways where we have let others down. But help them to see that even though we are fallen and even though we have our failures and all of those things, that you are at work. Help them to see you. Help them to feel your love, to experience you. And again, to feel a welcome and a drawing to you. Father, stir in their hearts. Stir in all of our hearts. God, draw us to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a moment, we're gonna have a couple people who are gonna be at the front um, who are available to pray. If you have something that you just wanna pray with somebody about, maybe you're kind of processing what we talked about this morning or anything, love to have you pray with them. Um, Our worship team is gonna lead us in a song in a moment. And then immediately after that, We're going to have an opportunity to celebrate baptism. This public profession of a personal decision to walk with Jesus Christ, but also to become a part of his body, a part of his bride. That's going to be an awesome thing. So whatever God may be leading you to do, I'd encourage you uh, to feel that freedom as we stand together.